You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It is a good night to have Jason Fitz out. And that's not a shot at Fitz. It's just that Courtney Cronin is in for Fitz tonight here on Spain and Fitz. And she's also in Minneapolis, where there is currently a curfew that's been set. All sorts of games being canceled. And yet another incident of police violence or a police-related shooting, depending on how you read that, um, that has affected the sports world. And so I'm glad Courtney will be in to talk to us about that. We'll also get some NBA thoughts from Nick Friedel. Talk to Emily Kaplan about the NHL trades and COVID issues in that sport. We'll talk to um, uh, Myron Metcalf, who's also um, very, very well-versed on everything going on in Minneapolis, writes a column about the intersections of race and sports and other things out there. And Gerson Rosas, the Timberwolves president of basketball operations as well, talking about the cancellations across sports in Minnesota. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Courtney Cronin in. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And Courtney, let's just start with, you know, you you, you were a little late to our pre-show meeting today because you had to go to the grocery store before curfew hit. Kind of give us, set the scene for, for what's going on by you. Yeah, it's... um. It's a weird day in Minneapolis. It's like 50, 40 degrees, rainy. It's it's just kind of been a really dreary day. Um, and all all morning, all afternoon, I've been keeping an eye on what's been going on up in Brooklyn Center for a little bit of a geography for those who don't know the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. I live in the Lindale neighborhood. Um, it's south of Uptown, south of Downtown. I am 0.8 miles door-to-door from Cup Foods, where George Floyd's life ended um, May 25th, 2020. So I'm kind of right in the thick of things. I'm you know, right in the heart of Minneapolis, and where Brooklyn Center is is about 10 miles from, from my home. Um, I was on radio last night. I remember you know, talking with uh, you know, my producers in Bristol in a break, being like, have you guys seen Brooklyn Center trending nationally on Twitter. I, I didn't know what was going on until, hmm. you know, around 11 o'clock Eastern time last night, seeing everything unfolding on Twitter and then being locked on, you know, TV, social media today. We're under a curfew currently. Uh, that's why I had to go, you know, make sure I ran to the grocery store uh, because I will not be able to leave my home tonight. Um, you know, there's, I was coming back from Orange Theory this afternoon. I saw National Guard members with guns tanks um in in you know uptown on hennepin avenue right near lake street there's been some looting in the area my walgreens that i go to on hennepin avenue was um was hit last night i mean it's it kind of feels surreal and i and i kind of as we're as we're doing the show i mean i just kind of have a clouded mind right now trying to sort all of this stuff out because we just went through this not that long ago when george floyd um was murdered uh, on memorial day and then the the fallout from that in the weeks afterwards it's just it's a real eerie time here in Minneapolis St. Paul area and the fact that we're going through it again is just kind of tough um considering this has been my home now for 4 years it's Courtney Cronin she's in for Fitz tonight at Spain and Fitz not only a reminder of the similar situation that occurred after George Floyd's death but the fact that this is happening as Derek Chauvin's trial is 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 ongoing so while you're in the midst of trying to reconcile exactly what happened with Minneapolis police and 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 everything that happened um, in that case, which, you know, you're you you're less than a mile what from where from where George Floyd um, the the murder occurred. So that this has all been very close to your area. Um, and then Dante Wright, a 20 year old unarmed black man, um, was shot yesterday and left in the street for hours. Um, 
They are now saying it was an accidental discharge of a weapon. The police are saying that the officer meant to fire her taser when she shot him. Uh, There was a brief sort of um, scuffle as they were going to arrest him. He'd been pulled over for an air freshener, which apparently, I'm just learning now, is illegal, uh, but very, very rarely enforced. Um, He called his mother before uh, the incident. He called and said, I'm getting pulled over. He had an outstanding warrant for something, and he is now dead. Um, I'm reacting to so many people talking about the cancellations, Red Sox, Twins, Nets, T-Wolves, Blues, Wild, and Courtney. I'm hearing a lot about it feeling like there's been some sort of change in the reaction from the sports world as a result of understanding the gravity of this social issue, maybe listening to their players and how they might be affected. And and I would argue that's probably not the motivating factor. We're seeing players like Aaron Hicks and other places electing to step away, to not play. We don't know if Kyrie Irving's decision before this game was even postponed uh, to sit had anything to do with this. But the reason, in my opinion, that these games are being canceled is it's an inevitability in a city that has a curfew and has been declared. Um, I don't know if it's officially a state of emergency or what the language is. State but of emergency, yeah. Yeah, so you're not going to have sporting events with thousands of people or however many are allowed right now in and out with this happening on the streets. So I'm not removing credit. It's still the right thing to do. I just, to me, it doesn't, it doesn't indicate that they've listened anymore to players so much as it's just not possible in that area right now. And, and I think Myron Metcalf no, it, was on, you know, Chenangola Jr. kind of intimated the same thing. Uh, this is what he had to say about it. Make no mistake about it. There's also a security fee here. And, and there's, a, there's a concern that uh, when you turn on CNN tonight, Minnesota's going to be on fire again. And I hope that's not the case. I really do. But considering the emotions that are attached to everything that's happening, I think a lot of these, time, these teams understand that there's a security element uh, with playing these games. And I just don't know. Again, this is in the middle of the, one of the biggest trials we've ever had uh, for an officer-involved shooting. And then this happens about 10 miles away. It, it, to me, this feels like too much for everybody. So I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not surprised, I should say. That everyone canceled. I mean, you're there. You agree, Courtney? Absolutely, but it's and not to like say that you know the teams aren't doing the right thing by canceling, but the curfew, you know, to my knowledge, overrides sporting events, overrides everything. It's not that you know if teams wanted to play, they'd be exempt from a countywide curfew. It's Anoka County, Hennepin County. Um, and of course, the, it's escaping me right now. Wherever St. Paul is, the county that St. Paul's in, I think it's Ramsey. Um, they they're under uh, a curfew as well. So, it's I mean th- that's not surprising. I mean, is it the right move? Of course, and to come out with with um, words of support on social media as we've seen the Twins do. They were the first team this afternoon. Then the Timberwolves, obviously the Blues Wild game as well. Um, but it's uh, I just there's. It's 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 a non it's a non-starter. Like if there yeah. is a curfew, you cannot have sporting events. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Courtney Cronin filling in for Fitz tonight on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance, small business protection for more than vehicles with insurance expertise to keep your company moving forward. More at progressivecommercial.com. Uh, we'll keep talking about this and its relation to sports again. Uh, I mentioned earlier we will be talking to Timberwolves president of basketball operations, Gerson Rosas, in the next hour. Also, Myron Metcalf going to join with his thoughts on it. Um, worth noting as well, if you hadn't seen it, that there um, there was just a, a video released. The incident was in December, but a second lieutenant in the U.S. Army suing um, some police officers over a traffic stop for what they claimed was an issue 
with uh, not having a rear license plate. It was a new car. He actually had uh, the tag in the window. They claimed they couldn't see it. But once they pulled him over, um, they they drew their guns, pointed them at him, used a slang term suggesting he was asking to be murdered. Uh, they pepper sprayed him. This pepper sprayed his dog in the back seat as they were doing that. They were physical with him, striking his knees, putting him in handcuffs, all for something that they just released him that very night after he called for, after he requested a backup, and then they essentially threatened his career in 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 the military if if he complained. So all of these things are happening at once, um, and I think all of it contributes to what is a very tense situation, not just in Minneapolis but across the country yet again. Uh, as we witness a situation like this. We'll get into it a little bit more, but coming up, we got a lot of other sports stuff to get to. We got to do it the way we always do here when there's too much to get to, and that's quickies. It's coming up next. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain. Jason Fitz is out. Courtney Cronin filling in tonight on ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. Guests are going to join us on the Goodyear Hotline get into some NBA stuff, uh, including Nick Friedel joining us to talk a little bit about the many storylines surrounding the Warriors right now and the rest of the NBA. But we got a couple things to get to from the weekend and today. And when we got too much to get to, we do a little thing called quickies. Quickies with Spain and Fitz. We get in and out of topics fast. That's right. The Masters. An interesting Masters this year. I did not. I, I caught a, a fair amount yesterday Courtney and it felt a little bit inevitable by the time I got to it it didn't feel like anyone was going to catch Matsuyama but the finale of course and the actuality of his of his win was so big beyond uh maybe the 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 expectations um beyond the the rookie who looked like the happy Gilmore caddy <laughs> Zalatoris uh coming out of nowhere to finish the shot behind in second um beyond Xander Shoffley having these great birdie stretches and then blowing it Um, It was the bigger picture of what this could mean for Hideki Matsuyama going forward and the pressure that he must have felt knowing what this could mean. And uh, in case you don't know, as the first Japanese men's PGA player, Andy North, the ESPN golf analyst, was on KJZ this morning and talked about just what this could spell for this kid. Well, it's it's a golf crazed country, and we're talking. This would be winning the World Cup on steroids for Japan. Uh, I can't imagine the partying that's going on there right now. It's, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to go over there quite a few times uh, when I was playing, and and the American players were treated like royalty. It was absolutely amazing, and uh, to see how how people respected great players and now they have the masters champion it's going to be amazing i mean the current contracts he has just add a zero to it so i mean you can imagine the kind of numbers that are going to happen over the next 30 and 40 years for him courtney i mean just imagine the pressure (laughs) you know it's just your country you know just carrying the legacy of everybody you know all the six seven eight year olds that woke up yesterday morning i guess that would have been it would have been eight o'clock uh, Japan time that he won, and then they're like, I want to be just like him. It's like probably how Tiger Woods felt the first yeah. time he won the Masters, and now we're seeing it for somebody carrying an entire country, um, you know, on his on his back to, to yeah. win. Yeah, and in golf, in pro- golf. where yeah. the stress, where like you easily could be up two strokes and just blow it in the last hole, like easily, more so than almost any sport. Uh, so congrats to Hideki Matsuyama, just incredible story, and um, shame on everyone who said first Japanese player to win a golf major and ignored the fact that uh, 
really, really badass Japanese female golfers. Uh, so, you know, just keep that in mind. Um, let's go to the next story. Quickies. That's right. I love when the sexy voice guy says it. Uh, Julian Edelman retiring. Uh, I guess we shouldn't be that surprised. But, Courtney, I, I, uh, I, to be honest, when I heard the failed physical, I thought, okay, well, yeah, he's just kind of pulling something tricky off so he can go down to the Buccaneers and pair up with his boy Tom and Gronk and, and, and get it going. But according to Gronk, uh, to, to Julian himself, he, he is done ending his 12-year career with New England. What do you make of it? I think it was time. I mean, he had been mulling retirement for a while now. And when I saw Mike Reese, my colleague for ESPN's NFL Nation, tweet about the transaction that showed up today about the failed physical, he kind of indicated that maybe we're going to be seeing something here as far as an announcement. And, you know, the Foxborough forever. Uh, I've seen the video. I watched it a couple minutes before we started the show with him you know, sitting down, he's getting emotional. Um, it's cool. I mean, go to go to Julian Edelman's Twitter page uh, and you can watch it. It's a it's a really cool message and, you know, a hell of a career for, for somebody who has won multiple Super Bowls. Well, he obviously knew something was coming because I saw the failed physical and then immediately there's this well-produced video of him sitting yeah, in, the this was not in a director's today. chair. So I was like, <laughs> oh, I guess the, he knew this was coming. Here's a little bit of what that sounded like. You can find it at Edelman 11. Nothing in my career has ever come easy. And with no surprise, this isn't going to be easy either. Now, I've always said, I'm going to go until the wheels come off. And uh, they finally have fallen off. Due to an injury last year, I'll be making my official announcement of my retirement from football. It was a hard decision, but the right decision for me and my family. And I'm honored and so proud to be retiring a Patriot. He spent that entire career with the Patriots. He ranked second in NFL history with 118 postseason receptions behind only Jerry Rice. And as we mentioned, you know, he, he saw this coming and because he was terminated because of a failed physical. He does become eligible for an injury protection benefit that can collect him up to $2 million. So maybe this was all uh, something coordinated with the Patriots to get him the most on his way out and to make sure he was able to announce his retirement um, right after that contract negotiation termination was uh, was made public. It's Spain and Fitz. Courtney Cronin filling in for Fitz. We're doing a little quickies. Next story. Quickies. So we were going to talk about Kyrie Irving and his decision to sit out tonight for personal issues. That game has now been postponed, uh, one of several in Minneapolis area to be postponed. But worth still mentioning, Courtney, we don't know if Kyrie's decision, I, I can't figure out quite whether the timing would make sense with uh, you know what happened with Dante Wright, um, whether this is related at all to that conversation about the N-word that he's now embroiled in and many are commenting on, or if it's something wholly unrelated. But in the end, it's just worth mentioning that, you know, he's already missed 15 of 53 games, missed two weeks in January for personal reasons, um, and had the issues where he was violating COVID protocol. Is this an issue we should think is bigger than simply one game? I mean, potentially. He was also ejected from that game on Saturday night. I don't know if it has anything to do with with that or, um, you know, he, I remember what was the thing earlier in the year too, where you know it's because of the election allegedly right. that he would would not play until um, you know Donald Trump had left office. So 
Uh, I think it could be. It's sometimes very hard to get into the mind of Kyrie Irving and, and make, you know, make these decisions make sense and find the rationale behind them. Um, that's why I've tried to stay out of it effectively, but right. it, it's, right. it's hard. I don't, I actually, I really don't know. It'd be nice if, if, you know, if he, if he, if it is due to the Dante Wright situation, if he would come out and, um, if he made a statement about it. Yeah. He's a confusing guy. He, he makes a lot of, uh, meaningful powerful gestures, especially in support of female athletes in the WNBA. He speaks out a lot about social issues. He obviously takes things very seriously, feels things very deeply, whether it comes to the issues of race or otherwise. Um, And there's always a question because of some of the ways that he is public about things, whether that's flat earth or Illuminati or whatever, that, that you wonder if there's mental health issues at play or, or exactly what's going on with him, he's not easy to read. And so you want to be sensitive around his ability and availability. Um, but I imagine this is something that the team still has to keep a pretty close eye on, especially as they you know, get closer and closer to the postseason to make sure he's there for the team and, and, and ready to go. Uh, what he's out there, the skill is undeniable. And of course, that gets him a lot more leeway than someone else. Uh, final just story. To, oh, go ahead. Just to just to note, I mean, the. This decision was made yesterday that he was going to miss Monday's game due to personal reasons. Obviously, that game's, uh, you know, what uh, postponed, we, yeah. we knew about this. Yeah, postponed. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, would would we would he have been able to make that decision if it was related to the shooting in Minneapolis? That's what I was saying. Right I wasn't away? sure about I mean, the timing. Just, yeah, yeah. that's that's why it feels a little fishy. I just, you know, I, I we have a story up on ESPN.com about it. Just in terms of the timing of the whole timeline, it makes sense that way. Right. Uh, final story. Quickies. This one was uh, uh, delayed, uh, but but expected. Former Kansas City Chiefs assistant Britt Reed charged with felony DWI. This for the car crash earlier this year, right before the Super Bowl. Um, the worst part of this, I think we had heard a lot about driving excessive speed under the influence of alcohol, um, Adderall prescribed in addition to the drinks he had had. Um, all of it was sort of inevitable in terms of the, of the charges, but... Um, some updates on, on the care of the young girl who is unable to speak or walk, currently being fed through a feeding tube. And um, just a, a tragic story. And um, those updates, um, uh, necessary probably for the family, but tough tough to take. Coming up, we're going to get into some NBA conversation, a team in a playoff battle losing one of their young stars. We'll get to that and more coming up next. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Lots of storylines around the Warriors as Steph Curry approaches a massive milestone. Bad news for James Wiseman and uh, loving the story about Showtime. We'll get to all of it now. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Courtney Cronin filling in for Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance and joining us, ESPN NBA reporter Nick Friedel. What's up, Nick? SS, how you doing? Well, let's start with the positive, and that is Steph Curry doing Steph Curry things. He's now 18 points behind Wilt Chamberlain's record ahead of tonight's matchup with the Nuggets. That's at 10 Eastern here on ESPN. Uh, He seemed sort of baffled by the idea that he could pass Wilt for the Warriors' all-time scoring leader. Um, Should he be baffled, or is this this, maybe a little (laughs) faux modesty here? (laughs) No, I, I think he should be baffled in this regard because, as he said, if Wilt had had a three-point line that he was <laughs> chucking up shots from, he would have figured that out too. So I think it, it's all in respect. But the reality, as we well know, is that Steph is just that awesome. Uh, and he's not only become 
the face of this team, but he's become the face of the Bay Area region, and he's just beloved uh, all over the place. So uh, he knew what he was saying, but I, I think even for him, a guy who's had uh, all the success that he's had, this achievement, having it come in one jersey on one team and passing, will really, really mean something to him. Okay, so now to the unfortunate bad news. Uh Warriors rookie center James Wiseman suffering a torn meniscus injury in his right knee. There's not a timetable yet for his return. What are you hearing about this? I mean, it kind of raises a slew of questions. What is the impact in the short term and then the long term? Courtney, in the short term, uh, I actually think it frees up the Warriors. And I mean that in the sense that when Wiseman went out with that wrist injury a couple months ago, the Warriors played small ball. They had Draymond running point center, uh, the floor was spaced out a little more, and they weren't having to worry about developing a younger uh, talent like Wiseman, like uh, has been the issue throughout this season. So in the short term, uh, I think it it frees up everybody to play at a style that can really help them uh, get into the postseason. In the long term, this is where the problem uh, lies for the organization because now not only next year, assuming that, as Woj reported the other day, that, Wiseman probably is out for the rest of the season. You've got to get Clay back involved after missing two years, and you've got to get Wiseman involved after missing a, a big chunk of this season with two separate injuries. So uh, this is not uh, good in any level as far as the future goes for him because he struggled so much this year. But it's part of the growing pains that come with any young player, and I can tell you the Warriors still feel uh, very sure that he can be that talented force in the middle for them uh, for years to come. ESPN NBA reporter Nick Friedel with us here on the Goodyear Hotline at Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Courtney Cronin filling in for Fitz tonight on ESPN Radio. The Warriors now 25 and 28. They sit in 10th in the West. If you asked yourself months ago when the season was about to begin where you thought they'd be, how does that match up with where they are? Not too far away from where I thought they would be, sir. And I say that because I never believed that the Warriors could turn it on the way in which people had grown accustomed to watching them play the last few years. Uh, I figured that Steph would play very well, but uh, Draymond, we saw it last year. He was kind of hit or miss, uh, whether he was engaged that night or not. You lose Clay, and that was just such a devastating emotional impact on top of what he brings you on the floor. And Wiseman, I thought he would be better, frankly, but uh, he, he struggled, uh, and now he's injured again. So uh, it doesn't surprise me that they're in the, the place that they're at in the standings. I still think if Steph stays healthy, he will get them to at least the play-in tournament, and he will get them through to the first round. But we've seen with him this season – if he takes a wrong fall, if he turns the wrong way, his body just may not be able to to handle uh, the grind that it did a few seasons ago. So uh, it's going to be a, an interesting ride these last 20 games or so for the Warriors, but I still think if he's out there, they'll make it. We heard um, Doc Rivers speak earlier. I know that you haven't had a chance to talk to Steve Kerr uh, pregame yet, but obviously the events that have happened in the Twin Cities area um, – people across the NBA are reacting to them. 
Uh, Kyrie Irving, uh, yesterday, it was announced that he was going to miss tonight's game due to personal reasons. Um, we don't know if that's related to the shooting of Dante Wright or not. What, I mean, are you hearing anything just about kind of maybe the motivation behind that? There was the ejection and, and the kerfuffle that happened uh, in the Nets-Lakers game on Saturday. Is there anything more to that that we should know about? According specific to Kyrie, I'm just not sure uh, because uh, if I have learned anything, especially in the last year in covering the league, uh, all of these events that have occurred, they affect everybody differently. Uh, And I know in in speaking to people in the Warriors organization, they're sitting out here in San Francisco and and they're just as as heartbroken as as everybody else uh, because it's just so, so sad. But as far as how the league has handled it, how uh, different organizations are going to handle everything moving forward. It's it's just kind of uh, wait and see because it's so overwhelming uh, and it's such a sad situation on so many levels that uh, it, it's just that nobody is sure how to proceed sometimes. So if it's hitting different players or coaches differently, I think certainly the directive from the league is uh, allow people to to have and show whatever emotions they feel and and just be there for them uh, if they they need that pick me up yeah it certainly feels like we'll probably get a statement from steve kerr we usually do something smart and thoughtful about about the issue uh this one and the bigger picture but you're right it it, it does affect each player each team each area differently um and it's very strange nick i think trying to balance what we all were doing last year during the bubble and leading up to the bubble and the way we talked about George Floyd and issues of race in our country with where we are now, it's not that we've forgotten it or, or ignored the steps we took, but we have all the distractions back again. And I don't know how mm-hmm. we ever, you know, get to that moment again where it felt like we were all really locked in on, on being honest about all this stuff without being pulled away by another game or a concert or a vaccination appointment or whatever it is. We just were a very captive audience and it's, It'll be interesting to see how the league and the players and the teams react to another incident like this um, when they're not all together supporting each other and, and buoyed by, by that, that kind of group dynamic in the bubble. Um, so it's interesting to keep an eye on. Uh, your story, by the way, on Steph nearly passing Wilt or likely to pass Wilt is great. People who want to check it out, it's on the .com. He interviewed a couple a couple uh, scoring leaders for their franchises, Dirk Nowitzki, Reggie Miller, and Jerry West. So go check that out on .com and follow along with Nick Friedel tonight as the Warriors uh, face off on ESPN at 10 o'clock Eastern with the Nuggets. Thanks for the time, Nick. Always, guys. Talk to you soon. Nick Friedel with us here on Spain and Fitz. Courtney Cronin filling in for Fitz tonight on ESPN Radio. Uh, By the way, uh, you know, I took a little quick vacation, which we'll get to in a minute. It was nice. It was not as planned. I'll explain. Uh, But so I I, kind of turned my phone off, wasn't watching basketball. And, you know, man, we're getting closer and closer to the playoffs. And you see stuff like we saw, you know, that Saturday game, Lakers-Nets, which we're going to give you the Monday roundup brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. And all of these games start to become more and more important. Lakers win that one, 126-101. Andre Drummond had 20 points, 11 boards, making an early impact. And I don't know, Courtney, it feels like I've been 
distant from some of the storylines at the NBA, just in terms of like wait and see on so many things. Wait and see when the Lakers get everyone healthy. Wait and see when the Nets have their big three together. Wait and see if what the Jazz are doing is something that translates to the postseason. Wait and see if this is really something for the Suns or just, you know, the beginning of what could come in years to come. Um, and we're we're like running out of time for the wait and sees. Like it's all going to come to roost pretty soon. I know. Or is it, is it going to become like the like round one of the playoffs where we actually see – if the James Harden, Kyrie Irving, right. Kevin Durant relationship, and obviously throwing in um, LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin and all these other names, do, do we finally see that happen, like the beginning of May? I mean, it's only been five months um, <laughs> at that at that point, but it, it's kind of wild how we've literally been on this wait-and-see kind of um, – pause uh, throughout the season this year to actually see if these big storylines would come to fruition the way that we thought they would. Yeah, and, you know, that's kind of been an NBA thing for a while, though, right? There's a couple teams that will we'll give it to them, and there's a bunch of them that were like, do it in the postseason. We'll see that. You can't you can't prove us anything. And you know what? I blame Giannis and the Bucks in part for that, and they're just going to have to take it. Uh, coming up on Spain and Fitz, I'll explain why I was supposed to be in a foreign country and instead ended up hanging it with a former ESPNer. It's coming up next. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain. Jason Fitz is out tonight. Courtney Cronin filling in here on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're brought to you by My Computer Career, Training for a Better Life. And that music uh, around the world, that's appropriate. So, Courtney, I uh, was supposed to have a couple days off last week. Tuesday morning, uh, 4 a.m. wake up to get to the airport uh, by 5 for a 6 a.m. flight. Chicago to Houston. Houston to Costa Rica. I have a friend who moved there, uh, picked up the middle of the pandemic, sold off his stuff, and decided if I can work from anywhere, I'd rather do it from Costa Rica. He used to live there. So we had done a a bunch of research, very safe place to go right now. We had done our COVID tests. We had, you know, purchased trip insurance, set up our COVID tests for in Costa Rica before our return. Got everything ready to go. Planned on being outside, horseback riding, sailing, hanging at the beach, being in pretty desolate jungle area for most of it. Um, And we got to the airport. And did you know, did you know that you can have an expiration date on your passport, but after that expiration date, there's another date that can be extremely important, which is however long after the expiration date, your passport needs to be good in order to enter certain countries and for costa rica it's three months and my passport expires in three weeks so that was just the end of the trip have you heard of this i have not and i know that we talked about this pre-show so i actually went to grab my passport out of my um out of my drawer of uh special documents and my passport expired on the 2nd of february well in 2021 um so I was good. I figured at some point, I mean, I'm not doing any international travel yet. I mean, my Europe trip that was supposed to happen this summer is not happening. Um, but I got it. I was like, huh, would I have been in the same boat as you were? <laughs> and yes, I would have been. Well, actually, I don't even know if I would have been allowed on the plane. But yeah, um, you probably would have noticed when you filled things out that it was expired uh, or maybe it would have been mentioned. Uh, but surprisingly, you can fill out a ton of paperwork with a passport uh, trip insurance, all the other stuff. You can check in. You can book the flight. And at no point will it ever be revealed that there is a three-month rule. Uh, plenty of other places are six months. So for anybody listening 
um, a lot of places in Europe. And after I posted this on social media, a lot of people, um, first of all, way too many people did that. You didn't know that. And then like copy pasted something off Google, which was annoying and unnecessary. And of course I didn't know it. Otherwise I would have been in Costa Rica and you wouldn't have heard from me. Um, but I actually, a colleague of ours who will remain anonymous, uh, like you perhaps checked in at the airport, uh, the same day that we checked in. Uh, to go to Mexico to be with friends, and his passport has, had expired uh, two weeks earlier. <laughs> so didn't get to go either. So I think we're all just a little out of practice traveling. Like, I haven't tried to go anywhere. Yeah. So um, anyway, we're it's 5 a.m. My husband and I are in the airport, and we did the thing that you see in the movies where we look up at the departures board, and we're like, okay, well, uh, we got, you know, a, a house sitter with our dogs. We have time off work. We're not just going to go home and, like, sit at home. We have bags packed. We're in an airport. Let's figure it out. So we look down the departures. We realize we need to pick somewhere warm because our bags are packed essentially for, like, hanging out in the jungle. Um, I I just had one pair of flip-flops and one pair of shoes. We were trying to pack light. Um, so we had to be somewhere warm, somewhere that was flying in the next couple hours. We didn't want to sit in the airport all day. Somewhere we maybe always wanted to go and maybe not, and, and, and in the country. Uh, Mexico is a place where they don't have the month, couple months rule, but with COVID and everything else, we wanted to pick somewhere that didn't require a whole bunch of, of pre and post plans that we hadn't made. So we went to Charleston, South Carolina. <laughs> Very random, but I've always wanted to go there. And Kate Fagan, former ESPNer, uh, lives there with her wife. And I'd always seen their lovely Instagram photos. So I was like, sure, why not? So we hopped on a flight to Charleston. We found one of three remaining hotels in the major uh, Charleston area. There were zero cars available, not a single car available to rent. Um, so it was kind of it was kind of a, everybody's plan, I suppose, to go to Charleston. Um, but we had a good time. We I highly recommend showing up at an airport and you know pointing to a place. Yeah, I mean that's you're gonna have that experience forever, right? Like you're never gonna forget that travel story of yeah, we got to O'Hare and oh by the way, the passport didn't work. Um, I'd seen actually, you know, kind of a little spoiler alert. Like our Facebook friends, so I saw your Facebook and um, I was following along all week, and I figured that we'd be on <laughs> at some point, so I'd ask you about it. But I mean. I would have probably blown a gasket at the airport um, <laughs> if this would have happened to me. I don't think I would have been willing and able to handle that. I mean, how did – can I ask how expensive it is just to be like, all right, one ticket, two yeah. tickets to Charleston, please? Yeah, so it was interesting that I didn't blow a gasket because you will not be surprised to hear that uh, 10 years ago when my passport needed to be, uh, you know, uh, re-upped, for the first time in, in this, you know, lifetime as an adult where I'm in charge of things, we were going to Mexico for a friend's wedding. And I lived in L.A. for so long that when you drive into Mexico and back, you don't need a passport. At least you didn't back then. So this is obviously oh. probably different now. But I had driven into Mexico so many times when I lived in L.A. to go for weekends or something that I it had not occurred to me in planning and packing for this trip that it was a different country and I needed my passport. So my husband, then my boyfriend at the time, we hadn't been dating for that long, was like, yeah, just make sure you have all, you know, your passport. I was like, my passport? It's Mexico. He's like, yeah, it's another country, dummy. I was like, oh. So I check and it's expired. Hadn't checked it in a long time. Hadn't looked. So we had to push our flights back a day, change everything. I had to get emergency overnight. That was tears 
anger, embarrassment, have to tell all my friends we're coming a day late. Thankfully, we were going early, so we didn't miss the wedding or anything. I was so ready to get out of work and just be on vacation. I was so bummed. This time, surprisingly, no gasket blown. Like, what was I going to do? I did not know this rule existed. I did everything I possibly needed to. It never came up during trip insurance, during booking, during anything. So it was like one of those, it's out of my control. So you, now you just got to make the best of it. The worst part, though, is that one of my friends, who I don't even know that well, we've met through like ESPN work stuff. She doesn't work for ESPN, but she works for somebody who works at ESPN. She planned to come to Costa Rica to meet me and my friend who moved there, who she's met once, and she still got to go. So it's just her and my friend, a guy that she had met once, who now is in charge of hosting her for five days without the connecting factor of people that knew each other. Wow. I mean, yes, how very, how very <laughs> stoic of you to, to use that experience of many moons ago to not lose your bleep yeah. at the airport. But I just, I mean, that's the thing that with real ID, isn't that now? Yeah, you um, have to get it by October of this year. I, I just got mine, and I that's, don't have it yet. It's you know, it's one of those things that I didn't realize was like a thing. And does that replace the passport? Am I wrong on that? Is that something? I don't that's... think so. I think passports are still international, but I'm not positive. The real ID thing is something I learned from you on this show. I had really? not heard of it. Yes. Okay. Like I had, I had, I, I mean, I don't know. I had not heard of it at all. Until I think it was you that mentioned it on this show. I don't think there's been enough publicized about it. I really don't. Like, I think they pushed the, to date the passport back. thing. They did. It was supposed to be October of last year. Now it's this year. But I feel like with the amount of people are not traveling, people are going to get so burned by that when they try to get back to it either this summer. Well, actually, this fall, once like once the deadline's passed. I haven't seen a single story about it. I haven't seen it mentioned anywhere. Kind of like the passport month thing that I had never heard about until right now. So I urge all of you to check if you're going anywhere, whether your passport's good for three months, six months, however long that country requires, because we had a good time, but it was a, it was a bummer. <laughs> I, we, every time we saw like a sloth or a plantain in Charleston, we were like, ah, Costa Rica. <laughs> Man, what a great travel story, though. You will always have you'll Costa always Rica have... and you'll always have Charleston. That's true. And my friend will always have going to a foreign country with someone that she'd met once and trying to make the most of it. So. She's got a great story, too. Uh, Coming up, Myron Metcalf is going to join us, talk about everything going down in a place that he knows very well. It's next on Spain and Fitz. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Multiple games postponed tonight in the Minneapolis region as they react to the death of 20-year-old unarmed black man Dante Wright, shot by a police officer that they're calling an accidental discharge of a weapon that the police officer meant to fire her taser, but no Red Sox twins, Nets, T-Wolves, or Blues Wild tonight in the area as a state of emergency has been called for the area, and they continue to reckon with this issue alongside the Derek Chauvin trial and everything else going on in our country. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Courtney Cronin filling in for Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and joining us now for some Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, it's Myron Metcalf, ESPN College basketball reporter on the Goodyear Hotline. Myron, thanks for the time. You know, we're usually having you on to talk hoops, um, but I'd love for you to sort of uh, talk about the work you've been doing with the Star Tribune around the Minneapolis area, race relations and everything post-George Floyd. Yeah, I mean, it all started uh, after what happened to George Floyd, and I was asked to uh, write a column centering the the black experience, the experience of marginalized communities. Uh, Definitely thankful to ESPN for letting me 
do it. I think they saw value in the work, obviously, as well. Um, but on a day like this, you know, I figured I would be writing about progress that's being made, perhaps looking forward to what happens at Derek Chauvin's trial next week and whether we get a not guilty or guilty verdict. But instead, everything feels fresh after what happened Sunday uh, to Dante Wright. So it's just a, a heaviness that just doesn't seem to leave the Twin Cities. So if you and I are both uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul uh residents you're on the st paul side of things i'm over here in hennepin county in minneapolis explain to people who don't know um about brooklyn center and kind of the racial tensions that we've you know finally come to terms with or at least are willing to talk about now post george floyd and are now having to reconcile with again after the shooting of dante Wright. um give a little bit i guess just like a background about what that what the situation is, the type of area Brooklyn Center is, um, and, and just kind of that community in general. Yeah, I would say, you know, according to the Twin Cities in general, as you know, um, is a place where there is a lot of diversity, but in terms of uh, people within those communities feeling like they've been visible and acknowledged, that's a different story. You know, Brooklyn Center is certainly one of those communities just north of Minneapolis, um, uh, one of the largest black populations in any metro area here in the Twin Cities. And it's a city that's had its own uh, history and challenges when it comes to race relations. And I think you know, what happened to Dante Wright, what happened to Philando, what happened to George Floyd, on and on we keep getting these examples here in the Twin Cities that something is wrong and that the way that policing is happening and the way that these situations are handled, it's just not good because time and time again uh, we're seeing people – show up these traffic stops, and then someone doesn't go home. Um, and I just think this area, as you know, like it's not a big metro area like a Dallas-Fort Worth or uh, a place that's just sort of all over the place. If you're in Brooklyn Center, then you're probably telling people you live in Minneapolis when they ask you. I mean, you can get across this entire city in about 40 minutes or so. So even if you don't live in Minneapolis directly, you've been there, you spend time there, you're probably there a lot. And that's why I think all of us, no matter where you are in this metro area, feel the weight of this. Myron Metcalf, college basketball reporter for ESPN, on with Spain and Fitz. Courtney Cronin in for Fitz tonight as we talk about the death of Dante Wright and its effect on the Minneapolis area now, how it's trickled over into sports with the cancellation or postponements, I suppose, of a bunch of of games tonight in the NBA, NHL, uh, and, and MLB. We kind of were on the same page, Myron. I heard uh, I heard a clip from you on, on uh, Gojo and Chinay's show earlier, and I felt the same way. This, to me, was about the potential for further violence and protests. This was about the fact that it's been a state of emergency. There's a curfew there. I don't know that I really felt like necessarily leagues were listening to their players or understanding the gravity of the situation in the area so much as they just – it was an inevitability. You're not having a game in a place that has a curfew, Right. Yeah, I think the security was the primary thing. Now, I don't know. You know, I'm sure these teams feel it, and they feel what their players um, are kind of dealing with and reacting to in this moment. Like, a lot of the players here in the Twin Cities have been very vocal. You know, Carl Anthony Towns was out there on the street with some of these demonstrations. Uh, so so there's been a presence. Minnesota Lynx have been very vocal and, and leaders throughout the Twin Cities uh, after what happened to George Floyd. But I certainly think being in the city now, there is a sense of what might happen. I mean, when I'm driving through the city and all of a sudden I see signs, curfew at 7 p.m., I haven't seen those signs since Memorial Day last year when George Floyd was killed. And it's like we're going through that all over again. So there is a tension. 
and then you had the trial, so it was already there. But when you add this on top of it, I think every team in the metro area decided we're not going to play until we think that there's a level of safety for everybody involved. And I don't know that I can blame them considering uh, everything that's transpired over the last year. Curfew just went into effect at 7 p.m. Central. It lasts till 6 a.m. in Hennepin County, Anoka, Ramsey, and Dakota counties. That is in the Twin Cities metro area. Have you been out to Brooklyn Center today? Have you? What have you seen? I guess just from from your perspective of being around the metro area. Yeah, I drove out there this morning, Courtney. I just felt like I had to be there. Just that, I mean, not as a reporter, just as a person. And um. Drove out there where he was shot and killed um, and then went to the precinct where the demonstrations have been held since last night. And it's just a surreal scene. You know, there were officers marching in formation, National Guardsmen, um, people with, you know, assault rifles standing in front of the precinct. You had protesters with megaphones, people carrying flags, Black Lives Matter. Um, and you just had a number of people who really were just in shock. And then there's also people that I've talked to, gas station in the area, barbershops, people are boarding up because they're preparing for what they think could unfold here in the next 24 hours. I just feel like this is a place that has been rebuilding and boarding up and keep in doing that cycle for the last year. And it's exhausting and it's taxing. And the thing I keep hearing from everybody here, Courtney, is how much more of this can we take? You know, we were already trying to digest what happened to George Floyd and the trial attached to it, and now we have this. It just seems unfair. Yeah, it is, and I've I've heard a lot of people say that, not just today, but over the course of the last year and years, that it's just it's frustration, it's exhaustion, and it's not a lot of answers. Myron Metcalf with us here on the Goodyear Hotline on Spain and Fitz. Um, Myron, I, I, this is too big of a question to ask with just two minutes left, but where do we go from here? Um, particularly if they do find that it was a, a, a wrong discharge of a weapon that the officer thought she had a taser in hand. Um, you can rewind back to any number of places in that stop for an air freshener where things could have gone differently. So regardless of what the result is when they investigate, where do we go from here? How do we, how do we make this not be something that we keep revisiting month after month, week after week? Well, I'm glad they released uh, the body cam footage right away, Sarah. I'm glad that, you know, yeah. wasn't a process. They dropped it right away. Uh, and, and I'm glad officials in charge are saying that this was wrong. I mean, listening to police chief, listening to the mayor of Brooklyn Center, uh, no one said that this was justifiable in any way. So I think that's important. Overall, Minnesota collectively has to decide what it wants to be, because I'll tell you right now, I don't think it's a safe place for black people. And I know that's a big statement. But that's where we have to start from, because these things continue to happen. And everybody in this whole place has to decide how they're going to move forward and if they're really going to commit to real change. Yeah, very well said. Thanks for the time, Myron. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Myron Metcalf with us here on Spain and Fitz. Courtney Cronin filling in for Fitz. Myron giving you the Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Coming up, we will pivot to uh, Emily Kaplan. She's going to join us to talk about not only the trades today in the NHL, but some of the COVID issues that remain for that league. It's up next. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Oh, that's right. It's hockey music. And you know what that means. 
One of our faves is coming on Spain and Fitz. It's Sarah Spain, Courtney Cronin filling in for Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance, making it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. This is the first time ESPN NHL reporter Emily Kaplan has been on the show, I believe, since the announcement that ESPN got rights for hockey back. So, Emily, are you our boss now? Um. Well, no one's the commissioner's boss, A. B, I just nice, wanted to say, this nice. is the first time I've come on any ESPN program to that intro music, and, like, I'm getting a little uh, jazzed out right now. That's pretty cool. <laughs> there it is. Nice. Oh, man. Soak it up. Uh, all right, so you're not our boss yet, but that seems like inevitability at this point. You and Wyshynski are going to take over the company, dominate the hockey coverage, and... Right now, there is a lot going on in hockey. Let's start with just today. Tons of trade news. So give us the high level. What's the biggest stuff coming out of the NHL trade deadline today? Yeah, I'm here for the high-level hockey conversation. Um, You know, I think today at the trade deadline, the thing that stuck out to me the most was the East Division because it's become this arms race. The top four teams, which are the Washington Capitals, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Boston Bruins, and New York Islanders, all made massive moves because they're trying to keep up with each other. And you have to remember what makes this season unique is that the first two rounds of the playoffs are going to be within the division. So Taylor Hall going to the Bruins is a story you're going to hear a lot about. They couldn't get a first round pick for him. Um, The Washington Capitals just stunned everybody right at the deadline. They got Anthony Mantha um, from Detroit. That was a really big deal. They sent back a first round pick, a second round pick and Jacob Rana. He was a very big part of their Stanley cup run. So there's a lot going on of that East Division, and of course, um, if you're a Lylanders fan and you're listening to me now, you're probably rolling your eyes because um, I went through all these teams, and they don't talk about the Islanders, and that's just the way they like it, but they got some good boots, too, with <laughs> Kyle Palmer. Uh-oh. Did we lose, Did we lose I was worried about that voice. Uh, I, I thought maybe... Oh. oh, there she is. There she is. You're back. We lost you, but it, it's not surprising that the powers that be would immediately remove your mic when you tried to talk about the Islanders. It, that checks out. <laughs> Again, as them against the world, just the way they like it. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk losers now. The Edmonton Oilers. Why did they not do anything? Why don't they have any depth? And how can you actually be a serious contender in Canada without that? (laughs) That's a great question, Courtney. Um, You know, you can be a serious contender if you have the number one player in the world and, you know, probably the number three or number four player in the world. And that's Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. But you're right. There's probably... Um, a lot of fans wondering why couldn't they just get some depth scoring? Like, don't make us go to the playoffs like this again. Um, but they didn't do it. Um, and then, you know, I think it's tough this year. There's a lot of external pressures or internal pressures, even from teams that have internal salary caps. Um, Ken Holland, their GM specifically, just didn't want to give up high draft picks. He did get them a defenseman in Dmitry Kulikov, though. Um, and I, I do think he's going to help them a little bit back there. But uh, we'll see how that all plays out in the playoffs. Emily Kaplan with us here, ESPN NHL reporter. Is your voice all right? Are you sick? Have you been talking too much? Is the trade deadline? Did you get drunk last night? What's happening? It's been a long day, Sarah. Okay. All right. You sound like me. You sound like me. I just want to make sure everything's okay. Um, Let's talk about COVID. I I know you spent a parting shot for Outside the Lines in addition to all of your hockey coverage explaining how we're we're not at at the end of this, uh, the road yet, and, and it certainly feels like hockey has been hit really hard by COVID issues, where are we sitting right now with the teams recovering from that? 
Yeah, so it was the Vancouver Canucks. Um, and what was interesting about it is the first part of the NHL season, all of the closures and the postponements and the cluster of cases we were seeing for United States-based teams. Um, but it's starting to affect Canada as well. And the Canucks just had this variant rip through their roster. 25 players and coaches mm-hmm. got it. Um, they were pretty symptomatic, at least one guy who needed an IV. Um, so that team has been off. They're aiming to get back on the ice for games by the end of this week. Um, a lot of folks in the NHL, they're wondering, you know, is that too soon for them to get on the ice? You know, all these guys are going to need a clear. Um, you know, is it really worth it considering this team is pretty much out of playoff contention now? But the NHL is going to get them to 56 games. They want to get everyone to 56 games and award the Stanley Cup by July 15th. How do you feel like the NHL's handled COVID as a, I guess, as a whole? Because I know that there was the, the stoppage earlier in the season, um, several teams affected by that. I know the Minnesota Wild, where I'm at, they were affected by that. And then these things keep popping up. And like you mentioned, it shows you that it's just not over yet. The league as a whole, though, do you think that players have taken it seriously? Have the protocols been strong enough? Because we haven't, we never saw a stoppage of play in the NBA, in the NFL, um, at any point during the the once the restart happened in the 2020 season. Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, I do think that the NHL and the NHLPA have brought on really good medical advisors, and they have definitely taken more conservative approaches when it comes to safety and protocols. And they're asking players to make a lot of sacrifices. Like, if you read through the rules for the road for um, for hockey players in the beginning of the year, it was so much more intense than NBA protocols. Like, guys weren't even allowed to hang out in each other's rooms. They couldn't go out to dinner. They really couldn't do anything besides grab a bite in the meal room and go have a virtual meeting in your hotel room all alone. Um, So in that sense, I think, look, if you're going to play a season, they're doing this as safely as possible. Um, But, you know, the NHL, after the situation with the Canucks, was forced to send a memo out to teams saying, hey, we're almost at the finish line, but we're not there yet. Please continue to adhere to protocols. And if you're reading between the lines there, you get the sense that maybe there were some guys who were being a little more lax, whether they were gathering in small groups, whether they weren't wearing their mask at all times. Um, And the NHL is basically like, we're so close to the finish line. Let's just get through the season and have a little normalcy next year. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Sarah Spain, Courtney Cronin filling in for Fitz tonight. And ESPN NHL reporter Emily Kaplan is here with us to talk about the trade deadline, COVID issues. And let's also address the the wild uh, that we're supposed to host the Blues tonight. The game postponed along with the other games across different leagues in Minneapolis. Um, Wild general manager Bill Guerin said, I think we all just figured it was the right thing to do. That's hopefully a part of it. Also, of course, security and and curfew-wise, that's part of it. Uh, we got about a minute or so left. What do, you, what do you think the overall vibe has been in the NHL this season? Does it feel any different than previous years where we know that race has been a big issue? You know, Sarah, it's always tough with NHL. Um, it's a predominantly white sport. Um, we're always trying to grow the game and diversify it, but the truth is uh, when you le- look at the league now, it's not that way. And, you know, over the summer when George Floyd happened, the NHL did join the other leagues. Um and, and postpone play. But when I say join, it, it usually means they're not the forefront of the issue. They're kind of doing what everybody else is. And so, again, I, I kind of think that was the situation in Minnesota tonight. Um, you know, they're going to say the right things and do the right things. But the big picture is uh, hockey has a long ways to go. Um, first, we just need to have a more diverse body, and then we can tackle a lot more of these issues.
Yeah, at least the conversations are sort of being had in ways that I, I don't know that we've right. had before the last couple of years, which is good. And you obviously on the forefront of that in your conversations and reporting too. Emily, go um, drink some like throat coat maybe or um, tea or just maybe wine, you know, just double down. Wine Thank helps. you, Sarah. <laughs> I've got two uh, around the horns this week, so we'll see if I make it through. Ah, if one of them's tomorrow, I look forward to defeating you. Maybe not. It's Spain and Fitz. Emily Kaplan uh, giving us all the good stuff on the NHL. It's been a tough season for me to follow, Courtney. Um, I'm such a big hockey fan, but I feel like uh, it, it just – I don't know if we got used to there being not as many sports at once, and now I can't keep them all straight. But it feels like once you change a lot of the like setups and divisions and rules, that lack of institutional knowledge makes it harder to check in and really feel like I'm, I'm tied into what's going on. I feel like I've lost all my hockey knowledge ever since, um, you know, their playoff format last year. Once I was trying to get back into, you know, NBA, NFL, um, you know, the college basketball tournament actually happening, it almost kind of feels like it's fallen to the wayside just nationally speaking. It's it's really not being talked about all that much. Obviously today with the trade de- deadline's different, but um, generally speaking, I feel like I don't hear about much hockey lately. Well, that's going to change because ESPN has rights again. And I, like I said, Emily and Wyshynski are probably going to be our bosses. So, you know, keep, keep kissing that butt because otherwise we might be in trouble. Uh, coming up, we'll be talking to Gerson Rosas, Timberwolves president of Basketball Ops. It's next on Spain and Fitz. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain with you on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and Courtney Cronin in for Fitz tonight. She's coming from Minneapolis, St. Paul area, which is under a curfew right now, been considered a state of emergency as a result of potential protests um, and potential out, out, out speak, uh, speaking out, I guess, about the death of Dante Wright, 20-year-old unarmed black man, uh, and Red Sox twins, Nets Timberwolves, Blues Wild, all postponed tonight in the city. Uh, joining us now to talk about the decision uh, to do so at the basketball side is Timberwolves president of basketball operations, Gerson Rosas. Gerson, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Sarah. Uh, it's always good to be on with you guys. Can you take us through some of the conversations that you had uh, with the team before deciding to announce the postponement? I mean, it's it's, it's devastating. Uh, you know, our, this this market has gone through so much in the middle of a trial and for this to happen again uh it's just heartbreaking and uh it impacts everybody uh not only our players our staff our organization but our city and uh you know we're all tired of this we're all tired of seeing this this is a great market this is a great place there's great people here but it's so sad that this continues to happen and it's something that's very important to all of us and we we heard for the family of Dante Wright. We heard for all the individuals that that have been involved in these types of situations. And we really, in working with with the Brooklyn Nets and the league and local and state officials, we felt like this was the best decision uh, for our players, for our organization, for our fans, and for our market. We're not even a year removed from the death of George Floyd. Um, And obviously the toll that that took on the entire Twin Cities metro area and, and all the sports teams, professional college that are here. Um, we saw, you know, a conversation shift about social justice uh, committees that are being formed across leagues and, and with specific teams. But for the Timberwolves specifically, what do you think this, the toll of the last year has, how, how has that 
what toll has that taken on your, you know, your staff, the people that you interact with every day, the players, coaches, your front office? It's it's real, it's strong, and it's powerful. I mean, there's a human element just because we're in sports. Sometimes we feel sheltered and we feel like nothing gets to us. But this is our community, and uh, it could have easily been any one of us, uh, any one of our players, any one of our staff members, any one of our people in our organization, and it's heartbreaking because you go over it and it's not something that you can get numb to. It's not something that you can feel like it's normal because it's not normal. And uh, we grieve with the family. We grieve with our players. You know, it's part of town, the side of town where people commute from and, and go through. So it's it's just sad. It's heartbreaking that here we are again under these circumstances in this environment talking about this again. And, uh, you know, it's a life was lost last night, and uh, that's something that, that impacts all of us. Gerson Rosas, the Timberwolves president of basketball operations, is with us here on Spain and Fitz. Courtney Cronin in for Fitz tonight. Um, you also, of course, are dealing with recently honoring uh, the, the loss of, of Carl Anthony Towns' mother due to COVID. There's just been so much surrounding this team, and it's difficult enough to keep a team going through a long season without all of the other things going on. Have you, as a as a sort of leadership group, been involved in conversations about all of the stresses on these young players and staff, or does it feel like it's sort of like front office and staff, and then the actual players and coaches operate on their own? No, we're 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 all in this together, Sarah. And, and the reality is, we're a family. Uh, we're a family, and we go through the good and the bad together. And I've said it often, but. You don't pick these situations; they they pick you. And we've, uh, as an organization, uh, at all levels, we've come together. Uh, I'm proud of the character that we've shown uh, to come together and get through this. Whether it's our community, or whether it's Carl Anthony Towns and his family, uh, whatever the case may be, uh, whatever there's tragedy, there's challenges, there's tough times. It just brings us closer together, uh, and it's not fun. It's not easy. Nobody ever wants to go through that, but it's made us tougher. It's built character, and it's built stronger bonds uh, for the organization, and uh, there's a strong sense of resiliency and grit within the organization that's built through these experiences. So you have to embrace the challenges. You have to do it together, and you have to stay together to get through them, and and our group, our players, our our organization uh, has really – taking ownership of that, and it's, it's very proud to be part of a group that can, that can deal with these things. Minnesota Governor Tim Walls enacted a 7 p.m. to 6 a.m. curfew in three counties surrounding the Minneapolis area on Monday. Uh, obviously, your game tonight against the Nets was postponed. Do, do you know when that game is scheduled to be made up? Do we have a time and a date yet? I mean, it's it's such a peculiar time with the uh, pandemic and everything. We've been in contact with the league. We've been in contact with the Nets. We're doing everything po- possible to make sure that we can play these games um, and, and, you know, do everything possible to complete our season. Uh, it's something we're in, the, in conversation with, but we're monitoring all the situations around our community and our uh, you know, our city as we go through it. And, and that's the priority right now. We'd love to play basketball. We'd love to get an opportunity to get our fans and our community something else to think about during these tough times. But we want to be respectful of the process. And hopefully we'll, get, we'll be back on the court. You know, we had a game against Chicago last night, which was fun. You know, we honored Jackie Towns and, and uh, had a good game and, and got a win. Uh, 
we need those things. Sports bring people together, special memories, special experiences, and we hope we can provide that for our city. Well, we'll keep an eye out for the resumption of that game when it does get announced. We're talking to Gerson Rosas, the Timberwolves president of basketball operations here on Spain and Fitz. Courtney Cronin here with me, Sarah Spain. I wonder, you know, as a, as a leader in that city, as, as someone um, in sports or politics or culture, um, does it feel like there's something that can be done to address what feels like a larger issue of policing problems in the city? You know, it, it's such a such a strategic question because there's so much good in this city. There's so much good in this state, uh, but we're consistently seeing activities and actions that are relating to this type of behavior, which is incredibly concerning. And this summer, we took a big priority to make sure that those conversations were being had internally and externally. And we're using all our resources. I know our organization, our players, uh, to create change. Uh, we. This is what we didn't want. We didn't want to be in a continual process where this continues to happen, and that's why you raise the subject and you make it a priority and you talk about it. But unfortunately, it's not enough. And, um, you know, any life that's lost in that tragic fashion uh, is a reminder of that. So we obviously have to do more. We obviously have to be more committed to it until those standards, until those approaches, until those results change. Now, we heard over the weekend about a change in ownership um, coming soon for both the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Lynx. Alex Rodriguez and Mark Lohr poised to buy both franchises. Are there any changes, at least in the immediate term, that we can expect as the, as the transition and shift in ownership takes place? No, I think it's, it's exciting for us as an organization. Uh, anytime we can have more partners, especially with uh, their skill sets, abilities, and experiences and perspectives. I think it, it makes us better, which we're all excited about. But the reality is, you know, Glenn Taylor is our majority owner. He's going to continue to be that. We've got a better group, a stronger group of, of partners and owners now, which excites us and gives us more resources and more opportunities moving forward, which is exciting for um, the team and for the market and what the future holds for us. We, you know, we're very proud of the young and exciting team that we're growing and developing and uh, the future is bright for us. And adding another piece in the ownership perspective really helps us moving forward. But we've got a plan in place. We're seeing that through. Our guys are, are playing well uh, after our coaching change and, and having more consistent success, which is important to us. And it's great. We need to continue to add more, build more, develop more to have sustainable success here in Minnesota with the Timberwolves. Do you need to go watch like a whole ton of a-rod highlights just make sure you've got all the right talking points like are you all caught up on that you know, he's not with j-lo anymore so don't bring that up maybe you know we'll see if they get back together but you, you know do you have all the facts ready to go for those meetings you, you know i'm i'm actually baseball was my first love so uh the baseball part will be easy but okay. you know i think it's it, it's it's more a process of getting getting Alex to the basketball side now and, yeah. you know, what are the things that translate from baseball to basketball? Uh, what are, You know, I think he, he's an incredible partner for a lot of the things that we want to do. And he's got, uh, he, he's got an impact on a lot of the athletes today, which is, which is great for us and not, not only our players, but guys in the future. So we're excited about him. I'm excited to hear baseball stories as a, as a longtime <laughs> baseball fan. And he's, he's, he's got a lot of great ones. So I'm looking forward to those experiences. 
Well, you brought it up, so on the way out, I wonder, it, it, are they trying to get involved right now, even though the ownership isn't official, whether that's maybe figuring out what they can do to help Minneapolis in these difficult times or ideas on how to impact the community, particularly with the with the sort of influence that he has? No, they're, they're great humanitarians, and they want to help in any shape, form, uh, not only the team, the organization, but the community. And uh, they're very passionate about it. They want to make an impact in this community and it's great to have people that are not from this market come in and want to do their part in whatever way they can with a short you know with the relationship as as new as it is which which is exciting but i know as as part of of this group and this organization and and glenn has done it throughout his ownership career uh it's the people it's keeping the team here it's doing all the things that matter to make sure that the timberwolves can be a success here short term and long term yeah well, we appreciate the time um, and, and stay safe and, and uh, we'll keep an eye out for when that game is, is rescheduled, but mostly keep an eye out for everything going on in your city and hoping everyone stays safe. Thanks so much. No, I appreciate it, Sarah. Thanks for always being on top of things and talking about things that need to be talked about. Of course. Uh, Gerson Rosas, the Timberwolves president of basketball, ops, joining us to talk about the postponement of their game along with multiple other events tonight in the Minneapolis area as the city braces for the potential reaction to uh, the upcoming videos and facts about the death of Dante Wright, a 20-year-old unarmed black man who was uh, killed by police. Spain and Fitz were brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear more driven, more Spain and Fitz with Courtney Cronin in for Fitz coming up. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It's Spain and Fitz. Fitz is out. He'll be back on Thursday. Courtney Cronin filling in for a couple days with me here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. A lot of reactions from around the sports world to the death of Dante Wright uh, at the hands of police in Minneapolis. Um, the police saying it was an accidental discharge of a weapon that the police officer meant to fire her taser. There has been video footage released already. Um, but this comes at the same time as the Derek Chauvin trial of George Floyd's death and certainly at a heightened state simply because of the last year plus of conversations we've had in this country and how they've infiltrated the sports world and been really taken on by some of the loudest voices in sports. Um, the direct effect being the postponement of Blues Wild, Nets, Timberwolves, and Red Sox twins in Minneapolis-St. Paul area tonight, but plenty of other coaches and, and players speaking out. Some players like Aaron Hicks electing to sit out their games tonight. We don't know whether Kyrie Irving's announcement yesterday that he would sit out tonight's game, the one that has now been postponed, has anything to do with this. Uh, but it certainly weighs heavily on many. And Doc Rivers has been someone who's spoken up about these issues uh, throughout uh, since George Floyd and after. And the 76ers head coach spoke out again today. I think we've got to stop saying it's frustrating for all black Americans. I think we should be frustrated by all Americans. You know, I don't know if it was a mistake or not. I, I saw the video, uh, the body cam video, like everyone else. But I just know the frustration is a real thing for everybody and, and for us. And you keep hearing this cancel culture stuff, but, you know, we're canceling black lives. And, and I think, to me, that's a little, you know, more important, uh, in my opinion. And, and we just it just keeps happening. We keep making mistakes on killing black people. You know, I don't want to get it to race, but but it's, it's there. And I think we all have weaknesses and we all need to confront them and, 
and find out how we can make this place a better world, a better country. Courtney, one of the things I think about when I hear that, when he says we make mistakes that kill black people, is um, the conversation around the stereotyping and inherent fear of other, or in this case, in, in our country often, of black people, that the reactions of police officers in these situations so often is based upon unnatural reactions to somebody, whether that's the the Army lieutenant that we saw who was being pulled over for potentially not having a rear license plate. And the two officers had their guns pulled when he pulled into a well-lit gas station with people there. There's no reason to react that way. The same in this case of, of Dante Wright. Even if it was an intention to pull her taser, it had gotten to that position because they came upon a vehicle with guns drawn. And, and this isn't official yet, but by the reports I'm seeing so far, it's potential that there was a warrant out for his arrest because there had been mail sent to his to an address that wasn't his for a court appearance. He never showed up because they sent it to the wrong address. Therefore, there's a warrant out. So what might have been an absolutely nothing ends up being the reason for his death because of the way they approach the situation. And so much of that is just based in fear because you've created for yourself this idea of, of what black people are. And then everything you do is influenced by that. And that is so much deeper than simply saying that, you know, officers too often react with violence or too often don't follow their training. Yeah. And, you know, the, the argument that some will make is that, well, he tried to get back in his car and drive away. Um, and that if he didn't resist, he would be alive today. We heard the exact same thing with George Floyd, who by all accounts from all the video we've seen and also that Derek Chauvin trial is currently going on for anybody who hasn't watched, you know, a news network in the last couple of weeks that's currently going on in Minneapolis. Um, you know, that's just, it's just not an excuse for, for something like this to happen. And, you know, what Myron said, Myron Medcalf was on with us earlier uh, this evening, ESPN college basketball writer who also lives in the twin cities. I'm in Minneapolis. He's over in the St. Paul area. Um, and he's been here far longer than I have. Um, and he really truly, understands the fabric and the race relations that honestly for so long it, it the George Floyd what happened last summer gave us a chance to have this really uncomfortable reckoning you you hear about Minnesota nice and the passive aggressiveness and kind of like the northern version of bless your heart up here um, that it was you know the uncomfortable topic that nobody wanted to talk about race relations in this city and that we were forced to face it head on uh, after the death of an unarmed black man 11 months ago and now we're dealing with it again 11 months later um you know after Dante Wright w was shot and killed on Sunday April 11th so we always talk about we need to keep having these conversations we need to keep having this dialogue keeping an open line between people of all races all socioeconomic backgrounds but when is it actually going to spark some significant change in the way that mm -hmm. we see each other um the sports world is a good place to start with that and i think that the stance that some athletes have taken so far obviously teams canceling games we know that's really for a security reason because we are under curfew i cannot leave my home tonight um you know, because there is a curfew till 6 a.m., but the stance that's being taken here in the Twin Cities, I mean, 11 months ago, my hometown now of, of Minneapolis started an international dialogue about race that needed to happen and a reckoning that we're all dealing with and we continue to deal with. It's just the where do we go from here part. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know if anybody – I mean, you asked Myron that question earlier, and he didn't have an answer. Nobody has the answer. And that's the thing that in the coming days and weeks as we deal with the Derek Chauvin trial and the fallout from that and, and also the death now of an unarmed 20-year-old black man, we need to start asking ourselves, like, can we actually answer that question? Can we look within ourselves to find that answer and look within each other to find the answer too? She's Courtney Cronin. I'm Sarah Spain. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Yeah, I think uh, re- like radical change, imaginative change, change that addresses the fact that we never did have it right and the story that we've been told our whole lives and that we continue to tell ourselves about this country, about the principles it was allegedly founded upon, about the ideals that it claims to stand for were never actually a reality and they are a great thing to aspire to. But until we're truly honest with ourselves about the way the systems of our country were put into place to continue to hold down marginalized people, um, we will never be able to to, to meet, make any meaningful change. And so it needs to be radical and readdressing the jobs of our police, what they are sent in to do and when and why, how they're trained. All of that is, is a massive, massive requirement right now for anything to be different. And unfortunately, I think far too many people are so afraid of change, even when the product right in front of them is so clearly and deeply broken. And some will say not broken. Some will say it's functioning as designed. And if that is the case then we have an even bigger job on our hands. Either way, um, radical, radical change is required. We keep seeing this, and, and nothing will change unless we address it differently. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio.